Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. Okay, great, great. If you don't know me, my name is Julia. I am the youth pastor here, so I get the opportunity um, that I'm so thankful for every week usually, to serve your 6th to 12th grade students. We have a blast. I love our Crave students. Any Crave students in here? We canceled merch, so you guys need to give me like a woo. Okay, thank you. The loudest one was my husband. He's an adult. Um, well, <laughs> careful. Anyways, um, if you're wondering why I'm not Pastor John, it is because Kyra got married on Friday. Yay! And so um, John and Kristen for the month of July are taking a well-deserved sabbatical. Um, rest is not only holy, but it is mandated by the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for pastors that um, respect and obey God's commands to us, aren't you? So we are praying for them this month that they get the rest that they need. Um, I've been married for nine months, and weddings take a lot out of you. So, pray for them. And in saying that, we are starting a new series this month called Summer Road Trip. How many of you love that intro video? It's so fun. I feel like I'm in a Disney movie. I, like, want the wand, like, welcome to Disney. Okay, anyways. So, um, if myself or Mike or Ben, if we say something that, like, ruffles your feathers, please email um, Pastor Jay Miller at myabundantlife.com. We will answer. We will answer. But can you guys believe that it is July already? That's crazy. It, the older I get, I mean, first of all, the more my back hurts. But the faster time goes by. I cannot believe. I'm going to take this off. Sorry. Sorry, sound people. I know. This is me. All right. All right. We're going to do the pirate look. One earring. Anyways. Um, I can't believe it's July already. It's nuts how fast time is flying by. But I love summer. Does anyone else love summer? Yes, I lose weight because I'm sweating all the time. My birthday is in the summer. I get tan. I go to the beach. Ooh, hello. Um, but every summer growing up, my family would take a summer road trip down to the Nags Head OBX area. Any beach people in here? Any not beach people in here? All right, Lord, we pray for these people, God, that you would change. No, I am just kidding. But we would, we would go to the beach every single summer, the week of 4th of July. So we would end the week with fireworks on the beach, and we would always go with the same families. And it was just the highlight of my summer as a kid. And with that, um, with road trips, you know, there's always usually something that goes wrong. Yeah, and the church said amen. Um, I'm the youngest of three. Took three times to get a good one. I'm the youngest of three. My parents are in the next service, so they won't laugh next time, but it's okay. And so what that means is we would pile up the minivan because when I was a child, it wasn't cool for moms to have SUVs yet. Um, and so we would shove all the luggage in, and then they would shove me in, in the back seat next to all the luggage. So I'm knees to chest. Don't take a picture of this. I'm knees to chest. No AC getting nauseated by the smell of, like, corn nuts and bugles that are, like, flowing in from the front of the car, you know. So it was a really fun eight hours every year. But inevitably, inevitably, there would always be something that goes wrong, right? 
Because you can plan, and you can pick what gas stations you're stopping at, and you can decide you're only going to have 30 minutes for lunch, and you can say that you're going to go three hours before you have a potty break, but let's be real. (laughs) That ain't happening. And it never did for the Pup Crush family. So as we kind of go on talking about this idea of misconceptions via summer road trips, I'd love to share some um, road trip horrifying stories of the Pup Crush family with you, if that's okay. Okay. Um, Again, my parents are not here until next service, so next service might be different. But feel free to laugh at my pain. The first story takes place in 2012. That's the thing. I'm not a kid in any of these stories. I should know better. I don't. The first story takes place in the summer of 2012, long ago. And we are traveling down to Florida, myself, my parents, my sister. And we're stopping kind of for vacation. I'm doing a college visit. We're um, going to a fine arts festival that I've entered a piece of photography in. And (sighs) about me is I like to not sleep at all the night before road trips. So that way I can just (coughs) the entire ride down. Okay, I'm not driving. I'm not responsible. I'm going to sleep so I don't throw up from the smell of corn nuts. And I'm sleeping. I'm having a great time. And then all of a sudden, I realize I've forgotten something. And I wake up in a panic. I'm trying not to, like, freak my mom out because she is a worrier, you know, like an overreactive worrier, like, what? She's not here, so it's okay. (laughs) And so I realize that I have left the piece of photography that I'm entering into this fine arts festival at home. And so I'm, like, I'm, like, hitting my sister, like, I left it at home. I left it at home. And she's, like, I'm going to kill you. Mommy's going to and so I'm, like, pi- like shuffling through all the blankets. I'm moving all the toiletry bags because for some reason for four people we have five t- toiletry bags. And I'm looking for this piece of art. I don't know the color. And so I have to, I have, Mom? Hey, hey mo- Mom? What? <laughs> um, I know we're an hour and a half down 81. But uh, remember that thing that I was supposed to enter into the thing that we're going to, the whole reason that we're going to Florida? Yes. And it's at home. No, 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 no. It's by the grace of God I'm here today. (laughs) By the grace of God I am here today because my mother is a good Christian woman, but I've never seen unbridled rage like that in a car before. (laughs) God bless her. And uh, from that, From that story, I learned that I need to double-check and make sure everything I have is needed in the car. Everything I need is had in the car. The second story takes place in the summer of 2019. Again, I'm not a child in any of these stories. No. I just got a new car because my old one had exploded. Um, That's a story for a different day. (laughs) That is a story for a different day. And I'm driving down my car with my sister, and my parents are in my mom's car going in front of us. And we are heading down 95 towards the Wilmington area. Ever, anyone ever been to Wilmington area? For Yes, it's so beautiful. Yes, thank God. Um, and we're going down there, and my parents are riding, and they have the luggage car, right? So for some reason, even though, again, there's only four of us, it doesn't make sense, but better to be prepared, I guess. They have all the suitcases in there, and they've decided to put, like, the travel turtle on top of the SUV, even though the SUV is empty. It just, it just has luggage in it. It's fine. So they decided to put the travel turtle on, and we are heading down 95, which a fun fact is 95 was actually constructed by Satan to test your faith. (laughs) 
And so we're going. My sister and I are vibing. We're having a great time. Um, and all of a sudden, the, the turtle starts to lift. It starts to lift off the car. <laughs> and I'm driving the car behind them. I, I'm like, oh, Lord, help me, God. And um, so the turtle starts to lift off the car, and it is now heading towards me in my new car because my old one exploded. And I'm like, wow, the car dealership's not going to believe if the old one exploded and this one got, like, attacked by a turtle. And, and so it lifts off the car, and somehow, by the grace of God, that's how, it goes whoosh, onto the shoulder ditch. And my parents, God bless them, are freaking out. I know that they're freaking out. I can't even hear them, and I already see in the car, you know, my mom's hitting my dad. My dad's like, Meh! and I'm like, all right, we're going to pull off onto the shoulder of the road. And it was quite a sight to be seen. And, and here's the, actually the interesting thing is I know my dad secures the turtle very well. And I know this because for the last several years I have done it. Um, and so I know that it's secured onto the roof racks. I'm like, that's crazy. How did all four straps get loose enough to get off the roof racks? Well, the crazy thing is the straps didn't. The roof racks came off the car. And so it is a sight to behold. I'm running into the ditch. My sister is running into the ditch. She has her hair up and she has a sweatband on already. I'm like, where'd you get that? That's crazy. And then, um, then I turn around and my dad is running into the ditch. But the weird thing is he's shirtless. And I'm like, when did you have the time? Did you not want to get your driving shirt dirty? I don't, what's going on? And all of us are just, we're yanking the turtle out of the ditch. We're yanking it. And what I learned from that trip is you need to secure the bag or the roof racks. It is a sight I will have in my mind forever. And the last story I want to share with you happens in the spring of 2018. Again, I'm not a child in any of these stories. And that is I went to school in Central Florida. And Central Florida in the month of May is two things, rainy and hot. Okay, keep that in mind, rainy and hot. And so um, I had just graduated college. We're heading back up to Virginia, and my parents are driving a car, and I'm driving my car. And at this point in time, this was not the car that exploded, by the way. That was a different car. At this point in time, I'm driving a 1998 Saturn sedan that I really thought would have died by now. And her name was Delilah, because I thought, surely one day she'll take me to New York City. No, it turns out she, she was just there to betray me. Um, some of you will catch that later. It's a, it's a Bible joke. Um, and so Delilah was 20 years old at this point, and I remember being 20 and my weary bones, so I can only imagine that for a car. And, um, she had two things wrong with her. The passenger side AC stopped working, which is fine because I was driving. Didn't bother me. Sorry, sis. And, um, the windshield wipers no longer operated. And Florida in May is two things, rainy and hot. And so we are driving back up here. It's about a 15-hour drive. And surely enough, the heavens opened. And the tears of God fell on the people of Florida. And I can't do anything. My car, my windshield wipers aren't working. I'm driving 70 miles an hour. And I have to pull off over to an underpass and pray the rain away. Didn't work. Um, pray the rain away. And then we had to drive to an auto part zone, auto zone, auto, auto, you know what I mean. O'Reilly's, oh, 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 O'Reilly's. Thank you. 
It's okay. We'll get there. We'll, we'll get there this morning, guys. And um, so I just cover my windshield in Rain-X. Just cover it. So I still got to get home. My windshield wipers don't work. I have to make it back up here. Delilah betrayed me once again. My dad was like, do you want me to get you a string? And then you can just eat, er, eat, er, eat, er. So that 15-hour trip turned into 20 hours straight. And what I learned from that one is you need to make sure that your car operates how it should. And if you're wondering why I'm sharing these stories with you, obviously to make you laugh, um, but it's to get the point across that when we travel, we usually have a plan, and it usually gets shot out the window as soon as you leave your driveway. And usually we have certain expectations where we're going to stop, how long it's going to take, and hopefully, fingers crossed, it'll be a fun time. And when those expectations, um, they get mixed they, they become to be misconstrued idealisms, right? Like, road trips are awesome. I don't know why anyone thinks road trips are fun. They kind of suck. You're in a car for like eight hours. You could do so much in eight hours. You're just stuck in a car. It smells weird. It's a terrible time. And you get frustrated when things don't go to plan. Does anyone get frustrated when things don't go to plan? Yes, me too. And I have three, three points from these trips that I want you to Hold on to, keep in your pocket, we'll loop back to it. The first is, when preparing for a road trip, make sure you have what you need. Make sure you have what you need. First aid kit, flare gun, extra cell phone charger, uh, NASA's number. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, point number two, when preparing for a road trip, make sure the bag or roof racks are secure. Make sure that what you need in place is in place. And point three is when preparing for a road trip, make sure your car functions properly. Because if not, it will explode. Or you will be very hot and not have windshield wipers. And when we understand that no road trip is perfect, we can better prepare for our journey ahead, right? When we lower our expectations, we are happier. Yes. And in our faith, when we know the truth of God over maybe some false expectations that we see in tweetable quotes or Hobby Lobby signs. When we know the truth of God, we're better prepared for our journey in faith. And in saying this, please don't think that if you love those Hobby Lobby signs, I'm attacking you. I promise I'm not. I think they're kind of cute. But we can get so twisted in believing live, laugh, love over you will have trials and persecutions. We get a little twisted of Bless this mess and bless this nest. In, instead of what the word of God actually tells us, that you will have strife, that you are fighting a spiritual war, that you will walk through hard things in this life. And the point of this series this summer, obviously we're going to have fun. I like to have fun. Do you like to have fun? But as a pastor, and our heart here at the church is if we're not teaching you sound theology and sound teachings, how can we expect you to not only be a disciple of this church, but then to go and make disciples in your world. If we're not teaching you how to find the truth for yourself in the word of God, in praying with God, and in strong spiritual community with God, how can we expect you to carry out the great commission of God? And so that's the point of this series. We're going to have fun. We're going to laugh along the way, laugh through the pain, laugh through the pain. But we also want to refine our faith. Because you don't know what you don't know. 
And for me, I don't know what's wrong with my car until I take it in. And sometimes you have to take a step back to examine and test, does this line up with the word of God or does it just sound cool? Does this actually line up with what God's word says or am I just saying something that everyone else is saying? And today I want to talk about this saying that being a Christian makes life easy. Amen. My life is better. My life is better because of God, but my life is not easier. Many of you have walked through your own trials. You've walked through your own pains and your own heartaches. And when we have this idea, this misconstrued idea that because I am a Christian, my life should be easy, it's easy for us to become mad at God. And I'm not saying being mad at God or frustrated or having questions is a bad thing because faith is a journey and I would expect you to walk through things because you need tension to grow. But if our ideas are wrong, if what we're believing is wrong, then why would we expect to have a sound faith? So this idea that being a Christian makes life easy. Um, There's a couple other variations of this. The first is God wants my life to be perfect. Yes, thank you, Jesus. And my personal favorite is I'm too blessed to be stressed. Um, Personally, I have been very blessed and stressed simultaneously. Don't know about you, but it happens often. And this whole idea that because we love God and follow him, our lives are easier, is something I kind of want to debunk with you. So buckle up, because we're going on a road trip. (laughs) Being a Christian has actually never been easy. Crazy. Wow. In fact, in the early church, the first 300 years of the early church, from when Jesus ascended into heaven until about 325 A.D., um, it was called the Age of the Martyrs. The Age of the Martyrs. Why would they call it that? Well, about 2 million people had died for their faith. The church was, was founded on the early church fathers and mothers understanding that to live out faith and to have the freedom of faith sometimes will mean to sacrifice for our faith. It doesn't mean that worship's always going to be great or that the preaching's always going to be amazing or I'm always going to cry during worship or I'm always going to feel full of the spirit. It means sometimes I have to trust that even when I don't feel it, even when I don't see it, God is still in the midst and he is still good. God is still in the midst and God is still good. The early church was built off of the understanding that faith requires sacrifice to the point that men and women were willing to die defending their faith. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just telling you church history. And the world and the enemy does does not like when we act in our faith because it goes against the norm, right? You're like seeing a weird kid in elementary school. You're like, "Why, why are you wearing socks up to your knees? It makes you question things. And when we act in our faith and when we go against societal norms that the world has set before us, we have a target on our backs by the enemy. Good faith will likely have some opposition. Good faith will likely have some opposition. And here's the thing. You can live, laugh, love, and pray that God would bless this mess and still go through hard seasons in your life. It doesn't mean that God's not good. It does not mean that your faith is not enough. It does mean that you and I are humans and we live in a very fallen world. And the good news is that we don't have to pay the eternal consequence for sin, but we likely will still go through the earthly recommendations for it. We don't have to die because of sin and be bound to 
hell, we get to have eternity in heaven through the salvation of Jesus Christ. But that does not mean that I don't have to have earthly consequences for sin that I've done or sin that other people have done. And we get frustrated when things don't go our way, but in reality, we're imperfect people. Why would we have a perfect world? I'd love to take a look at Matthew 7, 13 through 14. And this is what Jesus tells his disciples. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For the wide gate is broad and the road that leads to destruction. Many will enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Y'all ever been like on 81 and then all of a sudden your GPS reroutes you like some back road? Mm -hmm. You get frustrated when that happens. Like, where am I going? Following God is less like a six-lane highway and more like some bumpy back country roads. He's going to take you away from the many people who are now stuck in traffic. He's going to take you away from the many people that are now stuck in traffic where you're going to ride on the road less traveled, see more of what he wants you to see, go through hard bumps, dodge some deer, and understand that you're still going to end up where you need to end up in God's perfect timing. It's not a six-lane highway. It's usually those backcountry roads. But I'll tell you what, I grew up in Clearbrook. Shout out to all my Clearbrook peeps. Y'all learn to drive those country roads. You get where you need to be very fast. Dodge the deer. Dodge the deer. But narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. Not many people are going to choose it. Not many people are going to pick it. And when you go against the crowd, it's not going to be easy. I'd like to look at Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, and this is what Jesus says. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus doesn't say, my yoke is easy, so your life will be easy. He doesn't say, my yoke is light, so your life will be great all the time. No, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And sometimes we can misconstrue that as, well, if it's easy and light, then shouldn't my life be easy, breezy, beautiful? The fact of the matter is, the yoke is easy and light because Jesus already bore the weight of the cross. The yoke is easy and light because Jesus already bore the weight of the cross. And in this scripture, Jesus isn't saying life will be easy, life will be great all the time. He's saying eternal life will be great when you are in eternity with my Father in heaven. And you have that because I already bore the heavy weight. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Have you all ever seen oxen like pull? Again, I grew up in Clearbrook. There's a lot of farms. I was an FFA kid. Yeah. I'm not a farmer, though, so it didn't work out, I guess. But when you see, like, oxen plow, or have, have any, has anyone ever been to, like, Lancaster, like, on an Amish farm, and you, like, go and look at things? When you see an oxen plow, it's not doing it alone. It has a partner with it, because it's much easier when you're in a pair with two. And so when Jesus is saying, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, I have to assume that Jesus is the one who's pulling with me. That I am now yoked with Christ. In fact, the word of God says that we are co-heirs in Christ who reign together through God. And so if Jesus is telling me 
my yoke is easy and my burden is light, I have to assume that I'm not the only one pulling the yoke. And maybe it's a little bit easier because I have Jesus alongside of me, bearing the burden of life with me, going through the trials and tribulations with me, not telling me that life is going to be easy and perfect and worship is going to be great all the time and that I'm going to preach awesome messages and everyone's going to love me, but that the yoke is easy and burden and light because the cross has already been born. Because Jesus is making the way with me, through me, and for me. I'm not alone even when life is hectic. And here is what I want us to get today. Our hope is not meant to be put in an easy life. It's meant to be put in an eternal savior. This morning, I'm not here to tell you to suck up all your problems. I'm not here to undermine them. I'm not here to invalidate what you have gone through. I have heard some of your stories. I have seen and wept with some of you. I know the heartache. I'm not here to tell you that Christianity is supposed to be easy or it's supposed to make things better. But I am here to tell you that when our hope is in God, it shifts our focus. And when we view things through the lens of the cross, we may have a different understanding of our trials and of our tribulations. Our faith shouldn't be dependent on our mood or situation. It should be rooted in our God who was the same yesterday, today, and forever. My faith, my faith is not dictated by what I feel. My faith is not dictated by the songs I sing. My faith is not even dictated by the friends I have around me. My faith is dictated by the hope of Jesus Christ coming to earth when he didn't have to, dying on a cross, bearing the weight of sin for me so that I didn't have to have an easy life but that I could have a free life. Hebrews 11 tells us that faith is, faith is the things not yet seen, the assurance of what is to come. And that is in Jesus. That is in Jesus. And so I have three travel tips for our faith today. Three travel tips for our faith today. The first is that our faith should endure. Our faith should endure. That means that there should be longevity to our faith. There should be longevity to our faith, meaning that when life gets a little bumpy, when the roads are a little wavy, when I don't know what's coming my way, my faith will not be wavered because it is built on the foundation of the rock of Christ. The second is that our faith needs to be secure. Just like my dad should have secured those roof racks, we need to make sure that our faith is secure. And what I mean by that is that we are rooted in the word of God so that when hard times come, I can look at this and say, what does God's word say? He never fails. He is righteous in making me righteous. He is a loving and faithful God. God is faithful and defends me. I need to be rooted in prayer so that when things don't go my way, I still have the connection to God knowing that he is close to me in the midst, even when it doesn't make sense. I need to be rooted in a strong community because how many of you know, sometimes when you have a bad day, and when things just seem like they are shot to heck, all you need is someone to look you in the eye and say, God loves you. Hug you until you're the one to let go. Our faith needs to be secure. It needs to be rooted. And our last is that our faith should function correctly. 
our faith should function correctly. And here's what I mean by this, is that our faith is not built off of tweetable quotes, or it's not built off of cute little signs, or it's not built off of even what the pastors up here say. It's built off of only the word of God, only the truth of God. My faith needs to function correctly. So that way, when everything else isn't, I know what I know. And what I know is truth. What I know is that my hope is in something that is secure, something that will endure, something that is functioning correctly. My, my faith is not there to be a Band-Aid to cover wounds for me so that the next day I can get up and then put on a new Band-Aid, maybe with a different vice. My faith is there to operate as something that ties me to God, putting my trust in him. My faith is not about me. My faith is not about me. My faith is for God. My faith is for the believers and for the body of Christ. That my hope is in Christ. Not in myself. Not even in my family, but my hope is in Christ. Because your kids will annoy you. (laughs) Your spouse will annoy you. Your coworkers will annoy you. You might lose that job. You might not get that promotion. You may not even feel the Holy Spirit or feel like God is with you for weeks at a time when you're in a low place. But when my faith functions how it should function, and when I know what I need to know, which is only the truth of God, I do not waver. I'm not saying don't ask questions. I'm not saying that doubting is a sin. But I am saying God is in the midst. God is in the midst. When life isn't easy, We should seek God, not as a way to make it better. God's not some genie that when um, we're good enough, he grants our three wishes. That's not who God is. But God is faithful. And the back roads may not make sense to you, and the GPS may fail. But where God has placed me and where God leads me, he is faithful. I remember the first, like, real tough season I went through was in college, I was fortunate enough that it was in college and not earlier. And I remember just feeling so alone and feeling like I failed and feeling like I had no one on my side. I had no friends. I was a thousand miles away from any of my family. And I remember FaceTiming my parents and just sobbing, just crying, just feeling so desperate and broken. And my dad, so sweetly, he said, Julia, I want you to go and read Psalm 91. And I said, well, my Bible is on my phone, so I don't know what you want me to do. I'm FaceTiming you. And so he pulls out his old Bible, and he reads this over me. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with the feathers of his wings, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. And my dad began to pray this psalm over me. Not that my life would be easy, not that that even my mood would shift, or even that things would get better, or I would find friends, but he prayed that I would find refuge in the shadow of the wings of the Almighty God. And he prayed that over me. And any time I called him, crying, usually, what does Psalm 91 say, Julia? You will find refuge in the shadow of the wings of the Almighty. And so God doesn't promise us 
this perfect life. He doesn't promise us this easy life. He does promise us eternal life through salvation with Christ. But he also promises us that when we seek in our not easy seasons, we will find refuge and that God is our fortress. And as we close down this morning, I would love to give the opportunity for those who maybe haven't sought that refuge or for those who maybe haven't chosen eternity with Jesus yet. And so I'm just going to ask that we all close our eyes and bow our heads because that's the church thing to do. (laughs) But if you're here this morning, my first response is this, that if you are here and you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior or you need to rededicate your life to him and maybe make that sacrifice of faith, And you're saying, that's me this morning. I need Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross for me. I believe that life will not be perfect and easy, but it will be better because of eternity offered through him. If that's you, would you just raise your hands for me this morning? Yeah, I see you. I see you. And my second response is this. If you're here this morning saying, my life's definitely not easy but I could use some refuge. I am weary. I could use the reminder that Jesus' yoke is light. If that's you, if you're weary in this place, if you are spent in this place, if you are feeling defeated in the house of God this morning, would you raise your hands? So many. This is what I would love to do. I would love for all of us to stand together. And that we would just position ourselves. That we would position ourselves in a posture to receive from God. And if you're comfortable, you can put your hands here, you can raise them, but to receive from God. Almost like you're carrying something. Or almost like He's taking something off of you. And this is what we're gonna pray together. God, we thank you. God, I thank you. That while you do not promise an easy life, you do promise an eternal life. And first, I thank you for those of um, our family this morning that raised their hands to receive you as their Savior, to rededicate their life to you. Lord, that you see their heart, you see their intention, and that you freely offer them salvation. Nothing they have to do but believe with with their heart and speak with their mouth that you, Jesus, are Savior. And second, Lord, we just pray for those of us this morning who feel weary who feel run down, who feel defeated. Maybe those of us who don't understand why we have to go through difficult seasons. God, I pray that we would be reminded that your yoke is easy and your burden is light, even when life is not perfect, that you bore the cross for us, that you are in the midst of what we walk through. And we pray this morning, God, I pray that you will cover us with your feathers and that under your wings we will find refuge. God, we pray for your faithfulness to be our shield and rampart. Lord, I pray it again. I pray that you will cover us with your feathers, and under your wings we will find refuge. I pray that your faithfulness will be our shield and our rampart. Lord, that you would bless us, that you would show us and remind us. Let us be rooted in your word. Let us hear your voice through our prayer, and let us be reminded of your love through our community. 
God, we thank you this morning. We thank you that you call our faith to a next level. That you call us to put our hope only in you, God. And it is in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.